We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. I think just real practical tonight with what the Lord has given me and uh, drawn my attention to in His Word and... Um, I'm, I'm going through the book of Psalm right now, and I'm, I'm somewhere up up in the mid-40s chapter, and I'm, I'm just reading and uh, just kind of doing my own, my own little thing uh, right now. I'm, I'm not where you are in the program, uh, but uh, I'm in there. I'm just not where you're at, and uh, I don't know if I'm behind you or in front of you, but I'm in Psalm, and the Lord brought some things out to me that, that I just feel... Uh, just just good old everyday talking and, and sharing with you. But his word is anointed. I feel him already in this place. I already have a blessed assurance from prayer meeting that somebody's going to be touched tonight. And I believe that. You're going to leave here with hope. You're going to leave here with hope. Man can live three days without water. Three weeks without food. Three minutes without oxygen. But he can't live three seconds with absolutely no hope. Amen. I believe that. Hopeless people are the people that leave before their time. And so I, ooh, I felt something in that. And so I just want to share a little hope with you. Amen. You ready? We're going to go to the book of Psalm, 16th Psalm. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. I'm just going to listen when I hear pages are no longer turning. We're going to go there. If you got it, say I got it. Amen. Amen. Psalm 16 and 5 through 6. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and my cup. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yeah or yea, I have a goodly heritage. Oh, what a couple verses right there. If we just knew the depths of that. And I want to just talk to you for a little bit. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. Before we pray, let me just say to you, and this is way out there and it's not spiritual, but it's not going to derail us. Every Wednesday night, for the sake of invitation, my wife and I go to Raising Cane's every Wednesday night. And you're invited. If you don't like raising canes, we'll go somewhere else. Yeah, it'll all be paid for as soon as you slide your card. <laughs> but you're, you're invited. Many of you say, well, we used to eat together a lot. But I've been making this announcement a long time, and the ones that complain ain't never showed up. 
and they don't ever complain. They just mention it, and I know that. And uh, we love them. That's just a little fun, and they're, they're grown and can take what I just said. So uh, the Lord is my portion. Amen. And I want us to pray, and God's going to move in this place tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're an awesome God. You're an on-time God. You're a prayer-answering God, a way-making God. There's none like you. There's none beside you. There's none before you. And we just ask you to move, Lord, that same spirit that you brought into that prayer room. Let it just sweep across this building, Lord, and have your way with us. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory in your matchless name of Jesus Christ. We declare it done. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Let's love the Lord as we're being seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to share one meaning with you. Then we'll go a little deeper into the book of Psalm. And uh, I want to share a meaning with you from verse number 6. And I know that's not where the, the message title or text is from it's out of the beginning of five but the beginning of six says the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places I want us to look at this word for just a few moments the lines 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 what it means right here is it is a measuring tape it's it's a cord and what they do with this line is when it's drawn out, it's just like if you have a surveyor come out and you can go tell your neighbor, your fence is over my line. Or my fence is over your line, if you're real. And so what, it, what, what the writer is saying here is he's saying there's been a portion that's been measured out. The, the other meaning is a region a band or a company. So he's saying the place, the corporation, and the people. It's a pleasant place for me to live. And God has caused these lines to be drawn. And he goes on to say everything that we read. And then at the end of 5, if you read that, he says, Thou maintainest my lot. And then he talks how the lines have fallen properly. The lines of his lot. He's favored. Uh, in, the, in the old times, if, if you were to inherit a 40-acre plot or, or something, you'd, you'd want a few things. You'd want a couple of ponds that you could draw water from or, or the livestock could draw water from. You, you might want some running water. A river would be incredible and and uh, you'd want some fertile ground you, you might want some a few trees here and there to to put up a shed or a shack or a house or a barn or a stable or or whatever you, you would want a place that that worked out right for you and the psalmist says right here and he's got a lot of issues going on in his world but he realizes as you read you'd learn what the statement that I just made but he, he's got a lot of things going on but he, he stops to write the lines are good to me my, my place is pleasant I've got hope here I've got shade here I've got water here i got fertile ground here I can live right here I can make it with what God's given me. There's too many people trying to move the lines when God wants to bless you 
Amen. Amen. Anyway. And so I want to just share a personal with you. And then I want to get back into the word. But I've done the best I could to recall the time. And it's going to be, it's going to be very close within, within a year, a year and a half at the very most. But so just for saying sake, I'm going to say 1998. But it, it was mid-90s to late mid-90s. I'll never forget, Dad would be the only other one besides my wife in this room that would recall this, but we were in a town that had 1,100 people, and we weren't even in the town. We were seven miles from the town. That community had about 250, maybe 270 residents in that little community called Sandy Lake. It was a great church there. Dad was the pastor. I, later, I was elected to co-pastor with him. And had that privilege for a number of years until I went on to Cachetta and we went on to pastor there. And that was a great privilege. But during that time, for 11 years running, we had a paint and body shop. It was called Classic Restoration. If you drove by that place and looked at it for the first few years, you wouldn't want to take your car there. It was a white metal building. It didn't have any colored trim. It didn't have any insulation. Uh, it was seven, eight years before we built an office. We put a phone right out in the middle of the shop and built a desk off the wall. We could hold about eight or nine cars jammed in there. Did have a nice spray booth. We was putting out good work. And we were mainly doing old uh, cars, and Laurent and I worked together. And uh, we worked and, and learned a lot of things in that time. And it was in those 11 years, and uh, uh, Missy and I were married, and our family was coming together and things were happening and some of you have heard this story but I got I got to share it with you because there's a lot in here that are new and many have never heard it and many will watch and listen that have never heard this and there we were we didn't have a whole lot of money back then we built that building a 60 by 40 for $6,600 it was already starting to be built when I moved there and uh, I had the privilege of help finish and help running some electrical and finishing it up but we never insulated it. We never done anything nice to it. As a matter of fact, for a number of years, the concrete stopped at the roll-up door. There was no parking. Uh, over in Louisiana, they call it pit run. It's old orange mud. And it's got a lot of small gravel in it. And when it's dry, it's hard as a rock. When it's wet, you'll sink. And we pulled across many of cars trying to get them in and out of the shop and wanted it to hurry and dry so we could then clean the shop to work on the car that had to come across the driveway. And so it was that in time, the, uh, there was no gutters. It was just, just shed-style roof, and it just waterfall, and it began to, to beat out a little area in front of the, uh, the shop. I remember it so clearly. And uh, it had started to make a, a divot, and some cars wouldn't go in there. And we were pushing a lot of cars in and out. Some of them were just rolling chassis. We were restoring antiques and some wrecks as well. But some cars wouldn't go in there. But if you've ever pushed a 1957 Chevrolet on pit run uphill, no lie, not both ways barefooted. It was just one way uphill. And there's a, there's, a, there's a divot and a four inches of concrete. You come out of there needing to go home for a little while. It's just a tough situation. We've done this for a number of years. and Something happened 
we had some people start uh, bringing their vehicles to us, and my father-in-law was one of them, and they bought trucks from 1992, I believe it was, to, to 98 or to 97. And when Ford painted these vehicles, uh, they didn't put what was called uh, uh, an e-coat or an, or an acid coat. It's what goes under uh, the sealer before the paint. And so uh, it, it's a barrier that keeps the sun from hitting the metal uh, through the paint and the UV rays. And so they didn't do that. And what happened is paint started coming off in sheets. You go wash your car, and literally, you just blow all the paint off of a brand spanking new $17,000, $18,000 truck back then. And then the cars, the Taurus and the Topaz, and on down the line, started having hundreds of thousands of cars. Did anybody have one of those that had a paint recall? There you go. And so there's, it happened all over. And so we just knew that uh, we were going to get a lot of that work and we were going we to be blessed. And so one day, uh, Missy and I had made a commitment. I won't go into all of that. It was a financial commitment. And we knew we weren't doing right and, uh, to the Lord. And we, we made this commitment and, and we said we're going to have to do right or, or something else. I had taken another job. I was managing a body shop at a at a dealership, and so I'd work eight hours there, and then I'd come home, and I'd work eight hours, and then I'd spend eight hours at home, and I'd get up and do the same thing over and over for months on end. Finally, we got right with God. Just, y'all hearing me, aren't you? I like this environment right here. We just got right with God, and we just said, okay, Lord, it's all yours anyhow, and you allow us to borrow so much more. And so... We got right with the Lord, and if that was the reason, I don't know. I'm sure there was other people praying, but, but for my portion, this is how the Lord worked it on me. One day, I, I'll never forget, these vehicles were starting to be recalled, and there were, there were two people that had places in town that were our friends. One was Sinlaw, stands for Central Louisiana, Paint and Body, and uh, the other one was Bobby Creel. He was a friend of ours, close friend. But we were all in competition, and we discovered that uh, they were only going to pick one shop to do all this warranty work. We lived more than 50 miles round trip from a dealership, and so a dealership didn't have to do the work. They could, they could do it anywhere that would approve the business. And so we, we would really like to get in on some of that because restoration's hard, and stripping and painting uh, paintwork was easy. Uh, for, the, for the time and so we wanted some of that work and, uh, but we didn't know how to get it and didn't know how to get involved and we're there in this old building and uh, there's not much going on there we are staying busy I prayed for people to have wrecks and uh, thank the Lord that Louisiana's covered up with deer because from September to February we got rich the rest of the time we starved that's when we lean back on our old cars. I know I'm taking a little time. Just give me my little liberty here. And, and so this is, this is how it worked. And uh, so I will never forget. I can tell you where I was standing. I could take you to that property now. Another business has it. And I could take you to that. And I could, I could show you where I was at when this black Lincoln town car comes sliding down our pit run road. And I was standing out. We had, we had finally put four feet of concrete and just to take care of all that and put a little drain under it. And, 
and but everything else was just mud, and right outside that was weeds. There's no there's no curbs, no nothing. It's just it's just the way it was. We mowed it as well as we could, but it's, it's pasture property. We're trying to just make it. And this big old black Lincoln pulled up, and this fella stepped out of the back. Somebody opened the door for him, and he got out in a suit. And nobody ever been on that property in a suit. And then the other door opened, and another fella got out. And the other door opened, and somebody helped that fella out. And four men walked across our pit run driveway into our shop where we didn't have an office, we didn't have any insulation. It's 130 degrees in there in the summer trying to work like it is now. And it was a bad deal. It just, it, we just weren't prepared. We weren't ready to open. But once we got that first job, we were too busy to stop. And so this guy got out, and I remember I walked out to meet him. I was standing on the far corner of that little piece of concrete about four feet wide in front of the shop. And I walked over, and I shook that man's hand. And I said, how are you? What can I do for you? And he introduced himself, and he said, I'm with Ford Motor Company. I said, awesome. What can I do for you? And he said, well, we're going to all the shops. He said, we, we've been to Krill's. We've been to Sinla. We've been to McCann's. We've been to Williams. And he named all the people. Some of them we didn't really know. They weren't real close to us. And he said, but well, there's going to be millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands probably in this area. That's going to get this warranty work because we don't have an e-coat on this thing. And he said, I am told you are painting a truck right now in the spray booth. A local school teacher. It was actually one of my wife's teachers when she was in school. There was a four-door, two-tone, long wheelbase dually. The biggest vehicle on the planet was in our booth. And we knew what the problem was, and that was not a warranty job at the moment. We knew what the situation was, and we stripped that thing all the way to the metal with 36 grit. We come back. We couldn't do the fiberglass fenders on the back, obviously. Had to do them with something a little different. But we stripped that thing. We got it right. We uh, put an E-coat on it. We primed it. We block sanded it. We primed it again. We blocked it with 400. We sealed it. We put a base coat on it. And we put two coats of clear on it. And it was sitting in the booth when they showed up. And we didn't stick our stripes on. We wanted it to be our signature. We wanted to be a little bit, a little bit better than everybody else. So we took the time to lay them all out and paint them. And then clear the whole thing. And so this guy walks up and he, he walks in and he says, we're trying to find out what shop's going to be the preferred shop that's going to be the official Ford Warranty Work shop. And I thought, Lord, it won't be here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm looking around and we got pipe trusses. and I mean, We didn't have a bathroom. I mean, we, we lived two houses down and, and the bishop lived almost across the street and just a couple of houses down across the road in the church parsonage. And we had to go to the church or to the house to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and I'm going to tell it all because it was bad. It was bad. And so uh, I won't tell it all, but it was bad. And so uh, it was a situation. It was a situation, somebody said. And so there we, can you believe we made it through that? And so there we, you know, my dad's my best friend outside my wife and children. Y'all don't know it, but he was my ball coach. We played ball together. We fished together. We done a lot. He, he, he was my pastor, but we always knew what hat we were wearing. 
you know, we knew how to act at certain times. And we ran together. We were friends, still are to this day. But we were working together in those days. And I saw that fellow, and he told me who I was. And I said, oh, my Lord. He said, well, I want to see the, the, the truck you're doing. I want to see it. I want to see it. Mr. McGuffey, he was the, he was the school teacher. He said, well, look at it. I said, yes, sir. And I swung the spray booth doors open, and there it sat, two-tone red and gray. The stripes were painted on it. It was buffed. It was slick. We were ready to put the willow moldings and mirrors and taillights back on it. And we were so excited, but I was nervous as a cat. Because this guy said, I am fixing to put a mill gauge on that. I ain't never even heard of a mill gauge. I said, what's a mill gauge? He said, well, that tells us how many millimeters of material you put on this truck. Because if it ain't done right, it'll be way too thick. Well, when he said that, I got a little hope. Because I knew the truck had been stripped. And... He stuck a mill gauge, and I said, I was just curious. I'm watching the little numbers on the thing. It looked like an ink pen, and I'm just watching the little numbers. I said, what's it supposed to be? And he said, it's supposed to be between six and eight. Seven and a half is what we like. I said, okay. So I'm watching. He goes to the hood, and he says, 6.8. And the guy behind him, pretty good. And he goes to the top of the door, and he says, 6.3. And he goes to the bottom of the door, and he says, 6.9. And he... He goes all the way around. He gets those fiberglass fenders. and everything. Every spot on it was within a couple of points of perfect, but all within the guidelines. He said, tell us how you did this. I said, we stripped it. We put an E-coat on it. We primed it twice. We, we put a sealer on it. We painted it. We cleared it. He said, awesome. Y'all got the contract. It was that simple. And so he said, you just get ready because your life's fixing change. We're going to send some work to you. We end up hiring a hand for a little while named Buzz. And uh, he stayed around and worked a little while. And then uh, my cousin Jerry Lee worked for us for a little while. We, we, were, we were stripping them in one place and priming them in another and painting them. And the bishop can't do nothing without buffing it, even if it's perfect. So we're buffing it somewhere else. And we're, we're lining them out. All of a sudden, we went from starving to doing pretty good. And we kept our promises to the Lord. And here's what the Lord spoke to my heart in those days. When you do right... It don't matter what your building looks like. It don't matter what your driveway looks like. It don't matter what it's worth. All those places were nice. They had cross-draft spray booths and down-draft bake booths. and They had everything in the world. We finally ended up with down-draft, but not at that time. It wasn't none of it running. And so when, when, when he looked at all that, he said, I'm impressed, and I want you all to do it. And he shook hands and got in his Lincoln and drove off. And those cars started coming, and we started making a check. I mean a check for the first time in our marriage and in our life. And God started blessing, and he said, here's the deal. The lines have fallen good to you because you've been good to me. And I want to speak some peace into the hearts and the minds of some people tonight. If you will do the will of God, he's ready to draw up some lines for you. You don't see how to work in your situation. You don't see how to work at your house, with your business, in your marriage. But God will be the one that measures what belongs to you and what you're responsible for and what you're accountable for. 
Come on, some of you need to hear me right now. The lines are good. And the Lord, he is the one that is my portion. When we get the portion and the entire Lord of lords and King of kings is my portion, I must say the lines are pretty good when the Lord is my portion. Y'all all got this. I got the Lord. Y'all can do all that. I got the Lord. You can have what you want to have. I'm going to have a good portion because the lines. Woo. I wasn't going to do that, but I couldn't help but get excited now. Now I want to jump down to Psalm 37, and I'm going to have to hurry now because I want you to hear the details of that story. When you do right. When you follow the will of God. I'm not just talking financially. Some people think I'm just talking about financially. No, no. We made lots of changes in our life. We did things that wouldn't send you to hell, but we knew it would change the way other people viewed us. There's some things we don't do. Who wants to live on the razor's edge of heaven and hell? Well, is it a heaven or hell issue? Who cares? Just do it right. I'd much rather get there and him say, boy, y'all worked awfully hard to get here and make it than to get there and say, that was a heaven and hell issue. Oh, I hear a lot of debates a lot of times, and I'm just like, this is foolish. Because if, if, that, if that one little bitty substance or that one little old bitty piece of something or that one little bitty uh, situation in your life, is, is the, is, that's, that's the cutting edge for eternity? Can, can we have a little wine at night? People's ass. The Bible said it's good for the stomach. I, this ain't in my notes, but I'm just feeling it right now. Yeah, Bible says that. I can't debate it. But here's what I'm going to tell you. One will turn into two, and two will turn into three, and you'll be loose-lipped, and it won't be long. You'll be on the phone with somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband, looking at stuff you ought not look at. Here's what you ought to do. You ought not say, is it heaven or is it hell? You ought to sacrifice it unto the Lord and say, I don't need it because I want to be above and beyond reproach. Well, watch this. Psalm 37 and 1. Fret not. Now i got to hurry. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You hear what he's saying? You look at the world and you see them doing good. You're going to church. You're getting up in the morning. You're praying. You're supporting. You're, you're giving up every Sunday during fishing and hunting season. Most of you. Unless you take a vacation day. And that's fine too. It's all right. It's okay. We, we got one of our choir members at a ranger game tonight. I'm not mad about that. They needed a vacation night, and he's off, and bless the Lord, I hope the Rangers win, and they have a good time. But it ain't something you can do every week. Come on, hear me now. Sometimes you got to get your commitment, and you got to say, here I am, here's where I'm going to be. Here. And here's what he said. When you look at the world, and you look at the iniquity of the world, don't don't, don't start judging yourself now. How is it that I drive an old clunker that's falling down? Somebody's going to have to give me something to even make it to work. And this guy's got two Corvettes, a new minivan, and a Tahoe. He ain't got enough space to park his cars. He ain't been to judgment yet. And you shouldn't start judging yourself on this earth against his life. In the Woo. What you got to understand is we got a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. They're getting all theirs here. We're going to get ours there. And if you do it right, you'll be blessed here and there. Woo. 
for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. How hard is that? So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Come on, somebody praise him. I'm just reading his word. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Here's what he's saying. Make a commitment. Your family belongs to the Lord. Your finance belongs to the Lord. Your car belongs to the Lord. Your house belongs to the Lord. Your everything you got, it's his. He's letting you use it. There's a, there's a, there's a, a young lady that I knew from the 80s. She dated a friend of mine for a little while. And I hadn't seen her in, in many, many years. Matter of fact, just to be square, I'd forgotten she existed. And probably she did me. But we go to this funeral here a while back. And she comes up and she talks to me. And she says, hey, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. And remind me again who you are. I'm such and such. I dated. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember you. That was 1988. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that because that year he got a new Mustang GT. And so I said, well... Good to see you. You ought to come to church sometimes, yada, yada, yada. And I preached the funeral of a family member I discovered a little bit later. And so when it was all over, everything was fine. And we left, and I greeted her, told her how good it was to meet her, introduced her to my wife, and went on down the line. Well, here the other day, got a message on Facebook. And she said, me and my husband, we just bought a new home, and we would like for somebody to come bless it. Could you and your wife find some time to come out and pray? I said, well, we'd be honored to. Where's it at? And I'll try to make it. Well, I got sick that week, and so she hit me again a couple days ago and said, y'all, please don't forget us. It's just something going on. I feel like I need our home to be prayed over. I'll tell you what happens. When you live right in front of people, when, when they get into a place where they're not comfortable and they're not happy and they don't have peace. Now, I'm not saying any of those things about her. Everything might be perfect in her life. But there was enough done, enough said, and enough God on display that when the lines fell and she's looking for somebody to be a blessing to her and her family, she's going to reach out to a Holy Ghost-filled apostolic preacher that believes in healing that believes in absolute deliverance that can drive out every evil spirit and every bit of problem and struggle and fear from the mind I love it when, when parents call me and say hey we just bought the boy we just bought the girl a new car and we'd love it if you and sister Missy would come by the house and just bring a little oil and touch it. Somebody don't believe in that kind of stuff but I'm going to tell you something when you place God first and you commit everything to him you start getting lines that fall in your favor you have running water and ponds and shade and fertile ground and territory that hell can't get to when you do it right he draws the lines Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. There it is right there. When you live for him, he'll bring even your righteousness forward to people and say, there's a person you can count on when you're dying. There's a person that'll pray for you when you're sick. There's a person that can counsel with you. Woo, boy, I feel like preaching now, but I'm going to behave. He shall bring forth righteousness as the light 
and thy judgment as the noonday. Seven says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Listen to this, Life Point Church, my family. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass what he's saying here's what he's saying when you see everybody else is doing wrong and, and, and they don't have anything for the Lord might even be a bona fide atheist and say that there is no God and he don't exist or swear against his name but he looks like he's blessed and you're not here's what he's saying the day's coming they're going to be cut down like the grass and cast into the outer darkness and we don't want that for anybody but the blessing side of that is you do your part and you'll never see those things you'll never be destitute you'll never be without hope you'll never be without help you'll never be without a good line if you commit to him the lines you have now Here's what I'm telling somebody. I feel this right now. It just hit me in the Holy Ghost. You've been renting a long, long time. And right now, we're not in a buyer's market. And the interest rate is not good for people that are buying homes right now. But here's what I want to tell you. You've been renting. You've been fretting. They can go up any time. You don't like it. You need different. God wants to bless you to own a home. Let me tell you how it's going to happen. You treat that one like it's yours. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. You treat that little box that don't have good air, don't have sufficient parking, don't have good commodes to flush, and don't have good shingles on the roof. You dedicate that to God, and he'll cause your lines to expand. He'll get the ruler out again, and it won't be long. He'll put you in a place of blessing. But you can't keep comparing yourself to the rich man down the road that's never committed anything to God. And there's some rich folks in the church and they're blessings to the church and God places them for a purpose even above and beyond, not greater than, but above and beyond salvation. They have a work. And somebody hear me right now. You are designed to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, the first and not the last, the winner and not the loser. You're not supposed to be the last cow to the water and end up with muddy water. You're supposed to be the... Yeah, they got a nicer shop. They're in the city. They got a spray and bake booth. They got uniforms. They got a neon sign. I got a piece of steel that I stenciled classic restoration paint and body on. Didn't even have a light. That's before solar lights. We'd probably stuck one of them in the ground. Finally built an office and a backslider from Dallas showed up one day in a car didn't have a home. I wasn't going to move him in my home. You know, we just built an office. And here's what I said. His name was Jim. Some of you would know him if I called his last name. His mother was a wonderful lady that lived for the Lord many, many years and won a lot of souls, was a great prayer warrior. Where he's at today, I don't know. But here's what happened. Jim showed up one day and said, how in the world are you doing? Man, I hadn't seen you in forever. Man, I ran into some trouble. I got myself into a situation, into a bind, and I'm sitting here, everything I own is in the back of this Cavalier. I'll tell you a funny story. All four hubcaps are gone. I said, Jim, where's your hubcaps? He said, I took them off. I said, why? He said, didn't want somebody to steal them. And I'm like, so you're going to steal them. 
You're afraid somebody else will get them, so you just take them off and leave them in the trunk. This is the kind of mindset this fella had. He had a lot of problems, a lot of hookups and hangups. So we finally built an office, stuck a window unit in it. Jim showed up, and I let him live there. Shut the door down and made a house for him. Somebody listen to me right now. It wasn't long. He was in the altar. The addictions that had him bound were breaking. He began to move in the Holy Ghost. He began to speak to people around him. Things happened. Why? I needed an office, but he needed a house. And God said, if you'll be a blessing to somebody. You can't have somebody living in there. You watch God as he causes that big Lincoln to pull up and a man living there somewhere in the office in time as they're coming back and forth with all kind of situations and breaking down walls and literally casting out devils and fighting things for him and on his behalf. But what had happened was I said, Lord, you've given us good lines and since you have, we want to be a blessing to somebody. And when you become a blessing, God will be the blesser in your life that'll give it back to your good measure pressed down shaking together and running over sister Beckham how much time do I have two minutes alright watch this verse 8 cease from anger did you hear that and forsake wrath fret not thyself in any wise to do evil for evil doers shall be cut off but those that wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth. Somebody listen to me right now. I know we're working for heaven, but the Lord made us a promise right there. You don't have to die to inherit some good things. You don't have to wait until they say their last goodbyes and close the box and order a headstone. If you'll commit this to you, he'll, in, he'll allow you to inherit this earth. He'll let you be the one that don't have enough concrete to park the cars on. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm telling you. I'm talking about when we serve God with gladness and fullness and complete joy in the Holy Ghost. He'll take out a new measuring stick and he'll draw nice lines. For yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall, brother, you didn't have to do that. Thank you, thank you so much. For a little while and the wicked shall not be, yea, shall diligently consider his place and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Can you imagine your home, your world, your place, not only being your place, but there being peace there, a house with your name on the deed? Folks, that's the will of God. But it's not going to happen until you commit to him what's yours now. Well, I don't have anything. Well, commit somebody else's to it. Commit that rent house. Commit that rental car. Commit that lease car. Whatever it is, those borrowed shoes. Whatever it is, say, Lord, I wouldn't even have had these if it hadn't been for somebody else. And I want to thank you for it. I'm going to draw a line around it. And I want you to know that you have this place. This is your house. I dedicate it to you. From the living room to the back bath and the back porch, it all belongs to you. And God's going to say, oh, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I'll cause men to give to you from their own pocket. Did you hear that? Many of you waiting on the heavens to open up and an angel to come down. That's not what that verse said. He said, if you'll do that, I'll give it a good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I'll cause other people. 
to invest into your life. Oh, me. Are we at verse 12? The wicked plotteth against the just. Oh, yeah. You can see it every day. Read one newsreel. And gnasheth upon them with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Where would we get that old statement? Their day's coming. Every dog has his day. We got that from the Lord. Come on. They're going to talk about you and grit their teeth. And another meaning for that is bite you and cut you to the bone. They're going to do everything they can to destroy you. And while you're doing all of that, the Lord's going to say, their day's coming. You just keep on smiling. Don't get angry. Don't get mad. Don't get bitter. Stay patient. Be nice. Enjoy the lines you've got. Commit them to me, and I will see to it. They hadn't been to judgment yet, but you're going to hear well done, whether it's from a rent house, the poor house, or a culvert. If you commit it to God, He'll start drawing lines for you. Y'all forgive me. I meant to leave my jacket on. This was, this was a 200-pound shirt, and I'm 175. The Lord shall laugh at him. You hear that? Laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Can you imagine the God of all creation that loves that man's soul just as much as he loves yours, looking at him going, <laughs> You picked the wrong fight, you fool. That's my children. They dedicated that house. They dedicated them children. They dedicated that car. They dedicated that IRA. They dedicated that account. That's mine. You think I'm going to sit back and let you tear them down? You got another thing coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow. What does that mean? Pull it back. It's bent now. It's in a C shape. What does that mean? They're fixing to let an arrow fly. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent, the, bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Listen to the next verse. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bow shall be broken. Here's what I'm talking about. A backfire. And the Lord says, when you start picking on my people, when you start trying to cut corners and take off lines and take away from what belongs to me and what's been dead, you're not messing with Rusty. You're not messing with Carl. You're not messing with Lauren. You're not messing with anybody out here. You're not messing with Chris out here and brothers and sisters. You're not messing with Joe. Here's who you're messing with. The one, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator, the first and the last, the giver and the taker. You give it to him, he'll pull out a new measuring stick for you. You'll have to get rid of that 25-foot tape and start getting the football fields. To slay such is the conversation. Be of upright conversation, their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath. I'm closing, singers. 
a little that a righteous man hath. A little. A little. Somebody say a little. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You can take the Trumps. You can take the Bidens. Come on. You can take the Gates. You can take all of them. I'm not saying they're all wicked. But all the ones that's wicked. And they ain't doing it right. You can take all their riches and you can pile them up. You can take one little old poor saint of God that's making it from check to check. Got oil leaking on the driveway that don't belong to them. And the Bible says better is what you got than the Bill and Gloria Foundation. Trump Plaza come on hear me I'm, I'm t- no I'm not knocking anybody and I'm going to tell you this it's the will of God for us to prosper it's one of the reasons I'm preaching this too many people think there's a problem with God prosperity doctrine prosperity hey I ain't planning on buying jets I'm not planning on abusing it I'm not planning on any of that we'll leave that to all the televangelists and they can keep selling a half ounce of oil for a thousand dollars and hope somebody will get a blessing here's what I'm going to tell you when you sow into the kingdom of your time and yourself and your oil covered driveway here's what God's going to do he's going to start redrawing the maps of the town and your name is going to be on a different deed Righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. I want to close with this verse. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken. <laughs> but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. And you just say, Lord, it's all kids are yours. I've had people come to me more than one or two in this room in a full blown panic. Their son or their daughter has made some huge mistake and started experiencing with experimenting with, with things they shouldn't do and, and getting involved with, with, with sexual activity before they're married. And come to me and go, hey, what, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my mind. Well, what happens if this happens? Just let him keep drawing the lines. Hey, don't be offended, folks. It's 2023. Your kids are going to hear worse in kindergarten. Stand up and take it. I got to get straight with you right now. They're going to be involved in some stuff that we wouldn't even want to talk about from this platform. But here's what I'm going to tell you. We got to keep on giving them to the Lord. My kids failed in this area. Keep giving them. God's drawing those lines. Don't let hell determine who owns your property. And I'll mess around here and shout. You allow God to give you what He wants you to have. Pastor, you just don't understand. Here's what I do understand. 
at those arms of people that you've been watching wicked and reaching to and fro to do things they ought not do and they look to be so blessed and so mighty and they're surrounded with armed guards and they lie every time they open their mouth every time they show up on TV you know they're going to be lying because their mouth's open let's get real worst thing any one person can do to another person. Hey, I'm going to give you a message right here. I don't care what color your skin is, where you come from, how much money you got, but the worst thing one person can do for another one is say, hey, lift me up so I can make you as good as me. If you're following that guy, you better find you another guy. I don't want to be lifted by you. No president's going to lift me. Never did. I paid $1,600 a month for 15 years for health insurance, and Obamacare was going to fix that. He didn't. Trump was going to fix that. He didn't. Biden's going to fix that. He didn't. We dropped Lindsay off, still paying $1,380 a month for two people's health insurance. You think I'm trusting in anybody in the White House or the Yellow House or the Green House? They don't want me to be as good as them. They want me to support their lifestyle. I'm not anti-government, but here's what I am. I'm pro-Jesus, and I'm pro-the church, and I'm pro-God first, and I'm pro-committing everything I've got. Well, now that, that's been said. We okay? Anybody ready to leave? I'm not talking about tonight. I know that. I'm talking permanently because I want to pray for you. I just want you to hear me right now. Let's just stand. That gives us all hope. Hey. If you'll just commit, can, can I, sister, can I, can I just work y'all over the coals? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about it's, it's going it's to it's take the balm of Gilead to fix it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Jaden's ready. I'm speaking on his behalf. Kelsey's ready. I'm speaking on his. Hillary's ready. Every other choir member. I know churches. And it'd be hard for anybody on our platform to sing in their choir. Because they practice four times a week. It's why they're putting CDs out. It's why everybody's following them. It's why everybody loves them. They have 24-hour prayer. We moved to 30 minutes to hope to get a few more. They support the church. They pay in tithes and offerings. They show up for prayer meeting. They dress right. They look right. They spit white. Well, we got jobs. Well, who do you think's paying their bills? They've made the Lord first. And when you make Him first, He'll draw new lines on the job. Had a guy call me today. He's not here. Had been going through some struggles. He said, Pastor, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. It's been a real struggle for a little while. But he called me today in the middle of the struggle. And here's what he said. Guess what? My schedule got changed. I said, what happened? He said, I'll be there every Sunday and every Wednesday after this week. Why? Because God has done the schedule, not the scheduler in the office. From the mountain to the prairie to the ocean.
world. She's on it just like that. See, y'all think this is theatrics and it's fun. I come to get a giggle, but I didn't. Here's what I came for. I came for you to know that you've got every right in the world to go to bed and whew, to go to bed at night in peace. To wake up in the morning. I know your children are hurting. You keep praising it. I know one's expecting a child out of wedlock. Don't know who the daddy is. Keep praising it. I know there's problems. Keep praising it. I know you can't afford school clothes. Keep praising it. Some saint of God sits it in the Holy Ghost and walk up to you. You don't have to be a beggar. You just got to be committed. God will speak for you. Just this week, and I'm done with this story right here. Just this week, I didn't, I didn't accept a call because at the moment I couldn't take it. And I had a real good idea what it was about. And I knew at that moment I could not deal with that situation. We had talked within 15, 20 minutes later, but I couldn't take it right then. That person immediately rung my wife. She answered. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Can we do this? Can we do that? What they didn't know is the Lord's already placed that on my heart. I'm ahead of you. The problem is now I'm going to give to you and you're going to think it's because you ask. And God ain't going to get the glory. You're going to try to give it to me. That's why I don't ever talk to people before church. I come by, shake your hand, high five. You say, I need five minutes each time. Not before church, you don't. Because I'm going to preach about that. And you're going to think I've done it because you ask. I'm going to want the Holy Ghost to speak. When service is over, you're going to say, I don't need you no more. Thank you. And we're going to both save some time. And God's going to get the credit. And so I'm already ahead. Already ahead. I know them grandbabies need clothes. They're going to have them. I know them grandbabies need a few things as school starting. I know that. I know they're struggling. We're going to see to that. We're going to tend to that. Not you, me, my wife. We're going to take care of that. Why? Because I haven't been cutting corners. I've got the whole corner and I can give a corner. If I cut corners, I don't have a corner to give. Oh, I'm trying. I got to quit. I got to quit. The Lord's touched me. Now they can call it overdrive now. So I'm just going to challenge you. You commit everything you've got. Brother Rodney invested in some oil here a while back. We've got a few left. I think most of you's got one. He invested in it, donated it to the church. It's what we anoint people with, little bottles. He said, I think everybody ought to be able to have one of these in their pocket. I appreciated that. I've used it. There's one in my truck, one in my car, one at the house. They're all over everywhere. And people have been blessed by them. But somebody saw a need to be invested in a certain area, and they've done that. And then God's taken that and used it, pressed it down, and shaken it together real good. And now it's running over in places that Rodney will never see. People he'll never meet will walk on streets of gold and say it's because of that oil you gave your pastor or your choir member or your Sunday school teacher and they come and prayed over us and made us a believer and we moved off to Florida somewhere and found us a truth preaching church and here today because of what you gave. Amen. I 
just want to do this. I want to start singing right now. About four to five minutes. If anybody just wants to walk to the altar, here's all I'm asking you. If you need to repent, repent. But you can do that real quick, and he's quick to forgive. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not even asking you to bow a knee. There is a place that says bow a knee, but I'm going to go to the verse that says raise your hands. And I'm going to invite you, sinner, saint, guest, longtime member, no matter who you are, I'm going to invite you to walk to this altar. Thank you, Facebook. We love you. Church is better live. You ought to be here if you're close enough. God bless you.